We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Wednesday morning, you're listening to the Rotowire Fantasy Basketball Pod. Nick Whalen, Brandon Kravitz here with you as we are every Wednesday at 10:30 a.m. Eastern. Brandon, I can't help but notice you're in a different location here. You're, you're taking a page out of my book before I, I got my my new setup behind me set up. Uh, going with the psych ward look. What's going on? Yeah, I probably should have added some sort of wall art to just help with the ambiance of things this is a, a pale white wall with a thermostat wrong finger here for those watching in the video um yeah that's that's behind me i'm in my kitchen right now or uh, I'm, this is my dining room really I'm at my kitchen table and uh and the reason is you know it's sometimes this job isn't sexy people okay i know it seems like you know we get the glitz and the glamour of talking sports every day i I share a back room office with my two very obnoxious pets. I have a dog, a mini Australian shepherd and a cat. And um, the dog is 10 years old. You'd think he'd have this figured out by now. But if I if my schedule for taking him out is not pinpoint perfect, he will still drop a deuce anywhere in the house. And so I, I, I was my schedule's a little off yesterday. Very busy day at the arena last night for Magic Thunder, and I forgot to take him out for the second time this morning. And then boom, there was just a mess everywhere. So I that is cleaned up. I'm obviously not just leaving that there. So that's been that's been well taken care of at this point. Candle lit and everything. I just it's. I would, it would be d- too distracting to sit back there right now. So I moved to the dining room. I wish I had a better story for you than that. Well, I, I mean, that's reasonable. It's very reasonable. Uh, I'm, I'm not a dog guy. My, my wonderful wife, wh- whom I love, and I don't know, just in case she's watching this on Valentine's Day, I just had to make sure I get that staring right into the camera. Uh, she is extremely anti-dog. Extremely. Her whole family is. So luckily we, we are aligned on that. I actually grew up with dogs. I like, I, I shouldn't say I don't like dogs. I just don't want to own a dog. And yeah. every time I hear a story like that, Brandon, I'm like, yes, okay. This is, I, I'm in the right here. I, I feel okay about this decision because I've, I've been dog shamed by many friends. Everybody I know feels like has a dog, even friends who live in apartments and whatnot. I'm like, this, 
just, how is this worth it? You know, like I, I, love, nah, a good it, dog. I love petting somebody else's dog. I don't want to be responsible yeah. for that. I love my animals, but I'm going to have to pretend to be sad when they're not here anymore. <laughs> just so people don't think I'm a psycho. Just know I'm going to act like I'm upset oh, about it, but deep down inside, relieved. Now, I'm not yeah, going to do anything. I'm not that crazy. I'm just saying we're going to let their lives play out the way that, and you know, the way that they play out. But, uh, yeah, when I don't have to worry because – and for cats, you got to clean up after cats all the time. Yeah, dude. You, I've got this yeah. litter box, and, and I'm not even a cat guy. Somehow this became my responsibility over the years. But you mentioned Valentine's Day. Is there – I can't think of anything more romantic than listening to a fantasy basketball podcast on Valentine's Day. So you guys and gals have nailed it today. Yeah, well, my, my wife is especially lucky that I have to do radio tonight as well. So we, we got to do our Valentine's stuff this weekend. Uh, I'm like, sorry, babe, got to gotta talk fantasy football on the radio from 7 to 9 p.m. on Sirius XM Fantasy. Um, yeah, that's that's all I have to say about dog. I mean, it sounds like your dog is lucky that he made it through the trade deadline unscathed, and he's still in the house. Uh, we'll, we'll see if he gets bought out. He was um, on the block before. for sure, but not not any takers. You have to, you know, there's there, you gotta have two to dance. Yep, exactly. He's on that max deal. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Um, all right. You said you were in the house in Orlando last night. Uh, you know, Magic, that was, you know, I was, I was breaking down that game on Sirius XM NBA with my guy, Alex Barutha. And I think OKC closed as a two and a half point favorite. And, you know, I was like, that's just suspicious, man. Sometimes you have those lines and it, to me, that one felt like it should have been maybe four, four and a half. You're like, this just feels a little too low. I'm staying away. I'm not saying I picked Orlando to win or cover. I just said I'm staying away. I'm going to the props instead. The Magic 
end up losing this game by 14. I thought they would compete. They did not. More importantly, they retired Shaquille O'Neal's jersey before the game. What is going they on? Retired with the it after the game. Oh, excuse me, after the game. Yeah. What was going on with the font on the banner? I don't understand. Like they I used. Knew, the I knew you were going to start with that. I saw that and I'm like, I was freaking out. And luckily, I you know I clicked the tweet that the Magic sent out, and thankfully, like every response is like in alignment with me. And like, what are, what are we doing here? Like, they got the jersey correct, they got the pinstripes, and yet they they merged like the modern Magic font with the old style jersey. And yet there were like logos and other banners that that had the right jersey. Like, what was going on here? Did you get an explanation? I haven't gotten one yet. I'm sorry. I wish that I could give you one here. Uh, I will be inquiring about that today. I have uh, Magic Magic TV voice David Steele on my show later on this afternoon. I'm going to see if he can give me some intel on that. It does seem to be the thing that has most. First, there was a section of the fan base that just didn't want Shaq's jersey retired. And then where everybody met in the middle was the font. I, don't, I haven't seen any disagreement on that. I, I'm, I don't know if at that size that font is tough to produce. You know, I've never made a ridiculously oversized jersey for a banner. So maybe there's a difficulty there in terms of the production. Um, I think if I'm guessing they have a certain font that they want to use for all of their banners because the font matches the font style. For the banners that they have and i don't know i still don't know exactly where they're going to put this in the arena because they didn't actually raise the rafters they just raised it midway <laughs> it came out it, it was like baseline at the middle of the court and it came out from this sort of like this giant box and the shack mm-hmm. rose to like almost like halfway to the jumbotron in the middle so they didn't so actually. Like it would be in the way right now if, like, if they were playing the game, like the, the banner could potentially be hit by like a, a half court shot or something. Yeah, yeah. If you were sitting mid court, okay. you wouldn't be able to see the court right now. If this, I'm assuming they've moved it by now. I think by the time I get to the arena tonight for Magic Knicks, it'll be in its proper spot. But when we left last night, it was still kind of just hanging out in the middle. Definitely not where where they're going to keep it. Um, I forgot where I was going with that. It was a long night for me, but. I'm thinking the – so they have two banners up, or they have three banners up right now. They they retired the number six years ago for the fans. That's the, <laughs> okay. the sixth man. <laughs> no. They also have a banner up for the, the Eastern Conference championships they won in 1995 and in 2009. So those are the three okay. banners that they have. And the font matches those other banners. I'm thinking that's the logic, but – it's that's not good enough for me. Um, I'm not enraged about it. It seems like a lot of fans are. I am are really bothered by this. Um, I, 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 I still think they should have used the black Jersey. I'm more upset about that. That's the iconic. Everybody that walked into the arena last night, wearing a shack Jersey, they all had something in common. They were all black, black with the pinstripe 32. That has to be one of the top selling jerseys in NBA history. Why would you not, yeah. if you're going to honor Shaq, and you're going to honor that jersey, that's got to be the thread you use. So uh, yeah. to me, I, I don't like that they use the, the white color. But, yeah, the font, I, I can't explain it. I'm sorry. You just wonder how this stuff happens. You know, it's like it seems like so obvious, right? And so, so many obvious. people would have to be involved in something like this for, you know, multiple people have to sign off. And you're like, yep, looks good. Great call using the, the 2012 font with the 1992 <laughs> jersey. That looks amazing. That looks exactly like the jersey Shaq played in. Like, who's who's signing off on this? This is also the first jersey, other other than the fans, apparently, that they've retired, right? Like, no Penny Hardaway, right. no Tracy McGrady, no Gordon Garacek, none of those guys. 
I was thinking they were going to go with Marcin Gortat first, but a <laughs> nice little swerve to uh, retire Shaq's jersey. Yeah, this is the first player jersey ever retired in Magic history, and I get the impression that they just wanted to start this tradition that so many other teams in all mm-hmm. sports have taken on, and it becomes part of your history. I think the Magic, this is their 35th year anniversary. That's the big promotion all year long. Yeah. And and I think they're trying to create some tradition. They're trying to create a history. And how can you, if you're going to start telling the story and have banners and um, and create a history book, how do you not start that with, uh, with anybody but Shaq? So I think that was the mentality. Obviously, he only played there for four years. They were an incredibly impactful four years. Um, mm-hmm. Something that any NBA fan in the 90s vividly remembers and probably cheered for the Orlando Magic in those Penny and Shaq days. So if you're going to start telling the story, I think you have to start with Shaq. That would be my that that's mm-hmm. me giving you the the PR spin for why the Magic decided to retire Shaq's jersey. But Shaq okay. himself last night said Nick Anderson should have been first. Yep, I saw that. And, and he's he's correct. He's correct. I'm sure you watched the, was it called This Magic Moment, the 30 for 30 on, yeah. on kind of the genesis of the magic. Fantastic. If you have not seen it, uh, really, really good stuff there. Last thing I'll say about this, we could finally move on from magic post-game jersey retirement. Wasn't Patrick Ewing number six when he played that lone explosive season for the magic? So mm. his jersey's technically retired along with the fans. It makes sense. Uh, I mean, I, I, it's hard to nail down my favorite Patrick Ewing magic moment. So. I mean, we could do a whole podcast on it. Um, all right, we'll talk about a few more things. Uh, we got some, I got some All Star Game Saturday night odds that I want to run by you. Oh, nice. uh, we got to talk about this this alleged uh, potential LeBron James Warriors trade. Uh, there's a big, big Woj article this morning uh, detailing that, uh, and we'll talk about you know some of our mistakes, our hits. You know, as we're now at the All Star break, which is not really anywhere close to the midway point in the season let alone the fantasy season, but we'll, we'll take a look back and we will do live viewer questions. So get those in the chat. Uh, if you have already stacked up in there, um, throw those in. We'll answer those over the second half of the pod. So I get an alert when I wake up this morning, uh, you know, early, they published this at like 6.30 AM, Adrian Wojnarowski, Ramona Shelburne, the headline on ESPN, the Warriors made bid for LeBron James at trade deadline. So we kind of knew, you know, there were these LeBron rumors of, you know, would he be traded? Would he not be traded? Rich Paul came out, kind of put the kibosh on that a few days before the deadline. You do always wonder, though, you know, with LeBron, it's like, does Rich Paul saying that really mean anything? You know, you always take everything with a grain of salt coming out of his camp. Uh, but the way this article reads is that the Warriors were the ones pushing hard to try to acquire LeBron James to, to pair him with Stephen Curry. And the article doesn't really go into detail of what that deal would have looked like. But it also mentions that Draymond Green was part of the recruiting process, as you would imagine. And really, the only way I think that would work is if either Clay Thompson or Andrew Wiggins would be involved. And my guess is that Clay would maybe have been that guy. Um, so obviously, this did not happen. LeBron remained with the Lakers. Uh, the article essentially says that LeBron and his camp shot this down right away. But we, we know there's been this kind of brewing late career respect, uh, I think, especially from LeBron towards Steph, who obviously you know was never super friendly toward him in the middle of the last decade when they were playing in the finals every year. Uh, but he seems to have come around on this idea of, you know, Steph being kind of his, his main counterpart over these last few years, this would have been incredible, right? I, I don't think I, yeah. I don't seeing LeBron in a Warriors Jersey would have been bizarre. I think this actually would have been like a hit to his legacy in some ways. So there are a lot of reasons why this really wouldn't make a ton of sense for him specifically to do, 
But man, I mean, the the idea of LeBron, even if it would have been a half season playing this out in Golden State, is fascinating. I'm upset that it didn't happen because it would have made this NBA season go from interesting to way more interesting. So um, this would have been like one of the the coolest, craziest trades of all time. I don't think that's absolutely. Yeah, you get two two legends that competed against each other throughout the course of their careers. They're both in the twilight, but still have enough left in the tank to be competitive. We've really, if you think about it, how often, if ever, have we seen that? Like uh, the first one of the first thoughts that comes to mind in terms of players that would compete against each other that were all-time greats that then at the end of their careers before they're completely washed team up I'm thinking about like the Houston Rockets from the 90s with like a Clyde Drexler and a Charles Barkley I think combination. Scott Pippen too right yeah they uh, uh and like that's really it like this kind of thing never happens those two were finals rivals for what felt like forever uh and and to see them on the same team would have been incredible. The only way to make that trade go down though, you left a name out. Jonathan Kaminga is the only, is the only person that could have actually created any sort of spark for that trade and LeBron wanting it to happen. But Clay Thompson is not a, it's not a valuable trade piece anymore. Uh, I think he's more of an ankle weight than anything else just at his at his age and his price right well um, you need it, you need the contract and he's expiring right so i think it's you know you're, you're oh he'd be part dumping. of the deal but he wouldn't be part of the thing that made the lakers go yeah we no. got to do that then you'd have to do it for salary reasons right because kaminga's still on the rookie deal and you know then it creates you're basically putting the onus on the lakers at that point of like all right look we don't we we're facing this extremely difficult decision with clay where we know he's going to ask for more than he's probably worth he's worth more to us than anybody else by a mile because of what he means to this franchise and what, you know, the Curry, Clay, Draymond trio means. And, you know, I think that would be kind of their get out of jail free card is be like, man, we don't, we don't want to go down this path because this might not end well for us during the off season. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's fascinating. And, you know, at the end of the article, you know, Woj notes that th- this might not be over because LeBron has a player option this summer. And, you know, of course we got the usual messaging from the Lakers that, well, we'll just go get a third star this, this summer. They've said that the last five years. Right. And it, Usually it ends up being a collection of role players instead. You know, Donovan Mitchell, I think, seems to be the primary target. We'll see. Um, You know, if he even wants to leave Cleveland, there'll be other suitors there as well. Uh, But, you know, if LeBron declines that player option, I think Golden State would be one of those teams that would try to pry him away. Absolutely. And let's also make sure we mention the elephant in the room in all of this is his son is going to be draft eligible uh, starting this year. So... I mean, I think if he were anybody else, he probably, based on what I understand and talking to people that know college basketball better than I do, um, I haven't watched a lot of Bronny James, but from what I understand, he might not necessarily be ready, but the fact that his name is Bronny James makes him ready, and he probably goes about 20 spots higher, at least, than he otherwise would have gone, because you basically get LeBron for free. If you draft Bronny James, LeBron's going to decline his option. And then he's going to go sign and play with his son. And that'll be the end of his career. It's the perfect. I mean, LeBron, he's all about the storybook ending. That's why he went back to Cleveland. Uh, And I think that this is, I think it's already a done deal. It's just a matter of who takes him. Uh, The other note from this article, and then we'll move on, is that Daryl Morey, being Daryl Morey, had to do his due diligence at the deadline. Not only did he reach out to the Lakers to inquire about a LeBron trade to Philly, which would have been fascinating for, for a number of other reasons. 
Uh, Daryl Morey also, according to Woj, reached out to the Phoenix Suns to inquire about all three of Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and Bradley Beal. Wow. Hey, this isn't really working out for you guys. You, uh, you want to <laughs> chat? You play terribly. What's going on? Yeah, well, Daryl uh, Morey, always willing to push the chips to the middle of the table. Good for him. And then, well, I mean, what a, what a bummer for him then. I was thinking that they did a really good job at the trade deadline, but he was thinking LeBron, maybe KD, and then you end up with yeah. Buddy Heald. It's like, nah, you know, at that point, kind of disappointed. I mean, what are you offering if you're Philly? Obviously, they have picks. You know, you're, I don't think you're putting Maxi on the table. I mean, maybe in like a Durant trade, you would you would throw Maxi down, but even that is pretty short sighted and you know not necessarily the way Maury tends to operate. It's like, I mean, great job by him making the call, but you know, did he call Boston and be like, hey, what, can we do Tatum for you know maybe Uber and a couple picks? It's like, who, who else did he call? Right. We have Tobias Harris if you're interested. Yeah, yeah. I'm not just right. offering him to anybody, but to you guys, I'll do that. Let's talk some All-Star Weekend. Uh, we got two more pods this week. Uh, Rick Campbell and Dr. A tomorrow. They'll do a, a full All-Star preview. I'm sure we'll get some All-Star talk on Friday with Alex, Ken, and Shannon. But this is this is our final pod before the break, Brandon. Uh, we have three-point and dunk contest odds. We also have All-Star game odds, but I, that's almost impossible to predict. You know, you can bet MVP, stuff like that. Who knows? Bet that's the over. Yeah, I don't, I don't really have a whole lot of interest in, in breaking those down. I will give you the three-point contest odds over at FanDuel. Defending champion Damian Lillard, who, by the way, is shooting like 28% from three over the last 25 games, he's the betting favorite at plus 360. Tyrese Halliburton, plus 440. Malik Beasley, 5-1. to one. Trey Young, plus 550. Brunson, plus 650. Larry Markkinen, uh, who our, our good friend Alex Barutha noted last night, leads the NBA in catch-and-shoot made threes per game. He's 8-1. to one. Carl Anthony Towns, plus 850. And the long shot here, Donovan Mitchell at eleven to one. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to find the list myself. That way, I don't have to have you repeat all of that. Uh, All Star Weekend. There, we got it. Okay, three point competition. Um, who was it that you said that leads the league in catch and shoot threes? Laurie Markkinen. Okay, so here's the problem with that, and there's a reason why he's eight to one. Uh, this is not a catch and shoot situation. This is a grab from a basket and shoot yep. to the other basket situation. So I just, I don't, it's a great stat. I don't think that sort of thing applies. Uh, now marketing could win. Cause he has, what I look for more than anything else is a nice repeatable stroke. You don't have to put too much into it. And who fits that bill? Uh, Tyrese Halliburton has the, the fact that he has a decent shooting percentage with that shooting motion is really one of the modern miracles on earth and i can't bet him to win this competition for that jalen brunson uh kind of a similar reason you know short lefty how much is that going to translate to repeatable throughout the duration of a three-point competition so i mean there's a very good chance i'm overthinking this carl anthony towns has done a really good job in the three-point shooting competition so if we're talking about plus 850 i feel like there's value there um damian lillard has not really shot the ball all that well i don't really love many of the guys that are on here i think i would lean i think i would just go carl anthony towns or trey young i think i'd put my money there plus 850 plus 550 and hope for the best towns has won the contest before he won it in 2022 and then of course lillard took it home Last year, Halliburton has participated before. Markkinen was in it last year. Uh, Trey Young uh, has, has done it before as well. So there, there is some experience factor 
uh, to keep in mind there. Donovan Mitchell participated last in 2021. Uh, if any of that sways your opinion, I, when it comes to this, like, I just want the value. Like I'm not, I'm, I'm not bet Dame at plus 360. Like it, it, it's maybe not quite as much of a crapshoot as like betting the actual all-star game, but it, it's really tough. Like you said, to, to kind of infer, all right, who's best at reaching to their right or in Brunson's case, his left and grabbing a ball off a rack. Like I, I do right. think catch and shoot is probably the closest metric you can find. You know, I, I think, you know, guys who tend to dribble five times and, you know, take a, a little hop step before they shoot a three, looking at you, James Harden, this, this contest maybe is not suited toward them. Uh, but all, all these guys are obviously great three-point shooters and, and great in catch and shoot and off the dribble. I don't, I really don't mind marking in that eight to one and, and Donovan Mitchell having done this contest before at 11 to one, I think is, is reasonable value because it, like, is there a single player in this field who you'd be like, wow, I'm shocked if they won this. I don't think so. I mean, no, absolutely not. That's why right. if, if you're going to bet this, there's yeah. I mean, this is a, this is a roulette table. But instead of every number being 35 to one, some are weighted higher than others. Why wouldn't you just put your chips on the numbers where you right. get a bigger return? I, I I tend to like players that if you're looking for, and I don't have a stat to back this up. This is just conjecture. Um, the, and Carl Anthony Towns fits this bill perfectly. The type of players that stop, set their feet, and then shoot a nice breezy three. Those are the kind of guys that I want to look for. You know, not the type that, like you said, where you've got to be off the dribble, kind of fading to your side, and there's all this sort of style and pizzazz. That's why Donovan Mitchell, to me, wouldn't be a bet because he's a guy that has a great shooting percentage, but it always feels like it's in the flow of motion. I want somebody that is stopped and stationary before they shoot because that's the way that the the, three-point competition works. A lot of these guys can do that, but who can do it better than others? I'm really talking myself into another Carl Anthony Towns bet because I think plus 850 makes no sense. I don't even know why they would set it that high. I feel like everybody should be like six to one, you know? Um, right. Just make it just make it even across the board and pick your favorite. Yeah. Uh, all right. Dunk contest real quickly. Mac McClung, our defending champion, minus 225. Jacob Toppin, Obi Toppin's younger brother, five to one. Jalen Brown. By far the biggest name in this thing, plus 525. And Jaime Jaquez. Jaime Jaquez, of all people, 8-1, to one, Brandon. Um, I don't know how you don't bet Mac McClung. Did you watch the stunt contest last year? This is a completely different analysis from what we talked about with the three-point shooting contest where th- everybody's really good and there's a bit of randomness to it. Mac McClung lives for this, and he's really good at it. Stole the show last year. The fact that he signed back on tells me he's confident that he's got more in the tank in terms of what he can offer. Once guys feel like they've run out of their dunk portfolio, they tend to not go back because nobody, even if you're at the G League level, you don't want to embarrass yourself. Uh, I think he's a runaway winner in this. I'd be shocked if McClung doesn't win. Yeah, I, I got to go back and do some research on you know, like Jaime Hakez's high school mixtape. Jacob Toppin's G League mixtape before I, I bet anything related to the dunk contest. And I, I'm a, a huge dunk contest guy, Brandon. It, it pains me that we're dipping into the G League every year now, and it's kind of become a no-name thing. I'm glad Jalen Brown is doing it. You know, I hope this leads to more all-stars, more big-name players. You know, we, we need a dunk contest renaissance. At the same time, every year you watch this contest, really every year since that Levine-Gordon showdown, which was, I think, what, 2016, 2017? It's it, it feels like we're running out of dunks. That that to me is the primary issue. It's like you, you have to get 
you have to go like kind of so off script. You have to involve props. You have to involve, you know, it's all about something we've never seen before. We, we might just, we may have reached the limits on what the dunk, dunk contest can be. Or maybe we're overthinking it. I, I don't think it needs to be all of that. The, the reason it became that is because we started getting lesser players that, that were competing in the dunk contest. If we just simply got stars that did things that normal humans can't do, I don't think we'd be so jaded. The second Blake Griffin dunked over a car, it, it that literally jumped the shark, except the shark was a Kia. Yeah. <laughs> With an assist from Barrett Davis. <laughs> yes. Uh, a fine pass. Was that from the driver's seat, right? I think it was from like the sunroof, if I recall. <laughs> Right. Uh, incredible. And then that's super entertaining, but uh, guys around the league went, yeah, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to do anything close to that. But that's part of the reason why I like Mac McClung. And obviously he's minus 225. Is that, is that still where it's at for you? That's what it was when I pulled the odds late last yeah. night. Okay. So, and there's a reason he didn't, if I remember correctly, he didn't really use a lot of propage. Uh, that was no. a lot of just that sort of mixtape mixtape style dunking and the yep. fact that he's shorter i think adds the pizzazz to it so even though he's not the star name it's nice that jalen brown is taking part in this i still think there's a lane for guys that are just just really good dunkers it's uh i i, I do think there's a, a level of we're just overthinking this as yep. sports fans like we want that like we want these guys falling out of planes to dunk the ball it's, it doesn't need to be all that we may reach that point It'll be cool, uh, at some sometime in the near future. Speaking of Jalen Brown, we got a good question from Matt. He says, I was offered Jalen Brown and Brandon Ingram for his DeJounte Murray and McCall Bridges in a head-to-head Yahoo Points League. Which side do you prefer? On the surface, uh, before looking too deep into it, feels like a pretty fair deal. You know, Obviously, Bridges has been... Been one of the bigger fantasy disappointments this season, uh, based on where he was drafted. Um, you know, if you just look at the the raw fantasy points per game, you know Brown is at about thirty seven, Murray is at about thirty eight, Ingram is at about thirty seven, and Bridges comes in at thirty five. So it's it's close to dead even to me. Um, you know, if you're in a points league, you're, you're obviously not worried about shoring up specific categories. I, I think I would prefer the Brown and Ingram side of this, honestly. Um, you know, I that's think that's where Bridges, I lean is so, I mean, it really is a, a coin flip type of a trade. Yeah. Uh, so I, I would tend to look at the teams involved <laughs> because I want to go with what I can, if, if I'm looking at two sides of a deal and they're pretty even, I want to I want to take the side I trust a little bit more. Yeah. I don't really trust the Hawks. I don't really trust the Nets in terms of the way that they can handle the back end of the season with where they are in the standings. So yeah. I would take the two teams that are fighting for it. You know that Brown and Ingram are going to be wheels up the rest of the year. Yeah, I would be especially concerned about the Nets. I, I don't know if they're not in quite in like shutdown scary territory, you know, like a team like Portland or or something like that, but it could get there. It could get there at the end of the year and, you know, this is I assume a league that probably ends before like the final week of the season, but still uh, bridges have been a little bit shaky. And, you know, part of the reason we loved him so much was mostly in category leagues where, you know, you you're projecting close to 90% from the free throw line. That has not been the case. He's been closer to 82, 83%. You know, the field goal percentage has taken a dip. The three point shooting has taken a dip. Um, but yeah, in a points league, I, I would, I would take this offer and go Brown and Ingram. 
Um, George says, well, first of all, he says, happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day to you, George. Hope it's not as cold down there as it is up here in Toronto. I can assure you it's not that cold in Orlando. Um, it's, it's like 30 here in Milwaukee. Uh, we'll, we'll take that for, for mid-February. Uh, he says, what are your thoughts on Nyaka Kongwu, Ayo Desumu, and Scoot Henderson for the rest of the season in a 12-team head-to-head nine-category league? Their playoffs start in week 19. Hmm. You know, I... Obviously, Okongwu is, is awesome whenever Capello's out. So I think there is a pretty good chance Capello's back after the All-Star break. They gave us kind of the one- to two-week timetable. Of course, that encompasses the break. So the the, the Okongwu run could come to an end pretty soon. You always wonder. It's like, man, he, he's played so well, as he does every time Capello's out. And then when Capello comes back, they always send him back to playing like 21 minutes a night. Still rosterable to me, even in a 12-team league. I wouldn't necessarily be looking to drop him. Like on a four-game week, I think you could still throw him out there. Desumu and, and Scoot are a little more interesting. I, you know, I, I still think Scoot's going to give you value at some point this season. It's weird that they're not starting him, you know, even when they have guys out, Brogdon's missing, they're still bringing him off the bench. He has played 37, 33, 34 minutes over the last few games. My, my concern with Scoot are, one, the turnovers. You know, he's going to be two to four turnovers just about every night in a nine-cat league. The percentages, you know, still – 40% at best from the field. He has been great at the line. He's shooting like almost hundred percent at the free throw line over the last month. Plus three point shooting has been a little bit better. Um, it depends how much you, you know, you need assists because he's really not giving you much on defense either. Yeah. I mean, I love the talent and, and maybe at some point on today's episode, we get to uh, a few of those names that have disappointed us that Scoot Henderson would be one of them. And and I, I put that more on myself than on him. I, I think that we need to be a little bit more cautious unless it's like a Victor Wimbenyama type about aggressively drafting rookies like this, especially on bad teams and guys that don't come in with a great shooting profile. 37% from the field over his last three games. So we've seen him with increased minutes um, and that increased volume has only hurt his overall field goal percentage. You mentioned the threes. He's not taking a ton of them. Um, but we're seeing him uh, make some of those. You're right. The assist numbers are there. I think he's, I think he's becoming a comfortable, solid NBA player. Uh, and by next year, he'll probably take a huge leap. It's just really tough to trust, especially if you've got to deal with categories and, and, and that percentage and the turnovers, like Nick mentioned, are going to just even things out. So all the production you're getting in terms of points and assists, it's kind of mm-hmm. null and void when you have to deal with the negatives that um, that other players just aren't going to bring you. I will say on Desumu, I, I think I'm in. I think I'm in with yeah. Noel Levine the rest of the way. I mean, the minutes have been there. Uh, you know, he's played almost 40 minutes each of the last two games. Since Levine went out basically permanently, he's averaging 16 points, three assists, three rebounds, one steal, one block. Percentages have been pretty good. So I'm, I'm fine with Desumu. Uh, and George does add that, uh, he's, he said he's got amazing guards and he's punting turnovers and field goal percentage. He's got Steph, he's got Mitchell, he's got Trey Young, Cade Cunningham, and Fred Van Vliet. So with that added context, if, if you're punting the two weakest categories for Scoot, does that change the equation? Do you, do you think he could do better with somebody else on the waiver wire in a 12 team? It, it, it It's tough. I mean, without seeing who's on the waiver wire, I, I don't know if I can answer that question with confidence, but Chances are um, no, or it would be even. Um, I still, I tend to be tantalized by the upside, even though I'm saying, you know, I, I kind of wish I hadn't invested in him. Um, 
But if we're talking about guys that at this point in the season are still sitting out there on the waiver wire, yeah, maybe if somebody pops that you see goes on a nice little two, three game run, you might want to make that swap. But I wouldn't do it just to do it. All right. Ian says, who's a better trade option for De'Aaron Fox? He's in a nine cat league and he's looking for a point guard or a shooting guard who's a better free throw shooter. Good question. I mean, Fox broke out of the shooting slump in a pretty big way last night. He had a huge game. Uh, Kings ended up losing late to Phoenix, but uh, his best game in a while. I mean, counting stats have been great. You know, over the last 15 games, he's averaging almost three steals, which is wild. But the free throw percentage, you know, which felt like he made a big jump last year, he's been on a steady decline. Um, I mean, he was like, I think going into last night, it was like one of his last seven at the line. You know, he hadn't been getting there quite as much. Uh, and he's shooting like 65% at the free throw line over the last month. So if you're concerned about that, uh, totally reasonable to, to want to trade him. The question is, you know, who are you targeting? You know, the first name that comes to mind is Damian Lillard. Uh, he's been disappointing for a completely different set of reasons. And you know, he's been just killing me in a couple of leagues where I paid up for him. The one thing he is doing is hitting free throws. He's shooting 93% over the last month. He's still one of the elite free throw shooters in the NBA. He, just continues to get off to slow starts. I, I looked this up because he was one of five yet again. I, I swear he starts every game one of five. He's shooting under 40% in the first quarter this season. And he, he has a way of, of, you know, kind of making the stats look better than they are. But if you watch these games every night, like I am, man, he does, he does not look like the same guy. The aggression isn't there. The confidence isn't there. He was turning it over a bunch. He was getting caught in the air last night against Miami. It was just, just strange, man. He, he doesn't look like the same player, but he's still a good fantasy player. You know, he, he's still a, Despite having a really down last month, he's still inside the top 35. He ranks higher than Fox. There's probably a frustrated Damian Lillard manager in your league. That to me would be kind of the my problem for your problem type of trade where you're still you're still getting a good player, right? Like Damian Lillard, for as frustrating as he is, is still 25, 6, and 4 most nights. And again, most importantly for you, he's a much, much better free throw shooter. You know, Adrian Griffin is watching this team right now going, see, this is I'm not the problem. Yeah. This is the, yeah, the, the team is in shambles right now. They've won like three games since Doc took over. Uh, you said it could be a point guard or a shooting guard. What about somebody like uh, Devin Booker right around the same range as De'Aaron yeah, Fox? Yeah, I mean, Booker, I, I, if you can get Booker, do it. Because Booker, I mean, Booker ranks like two rounds higher than Fox if you're just looking at the last like 30 days, which, you know, I, on balance, they're closer than that. I, I mean, if you can get him, I don't think that's a crazy offer to throw out there. Maybe you have to attach like a role player um, but yeah, aim high. That's what I always say with these trades. You know, you could, you could try Kyrie. Um, you know, there's, I'm trying to think who else is out there. I mean, obviously Van Vliet is injured right now. He's tends to be a better free throw shooter, not necessarily elite lately. Um, you know, Anthony Edwards, again, not a great free throw shooter. He's more low eighties this season, but you could try that. Uh, you know, DeMar DeRozan comes to mind. If he's shooting guard eligible in your league, he's 86% at the line. Um, those are, yeah, those are the, the initial names that come to mind. DeJounte Murray, you know, again, not necessarily a lead at the line, but much better than De'Aaron Fox. Uh, I, I had one more, and then I, I completely lost it. But, um, yeah, those would be – oh, Kobe White. Kobe White is who I was thinking of. Yeah, Kobe White has been outstanding. We've been talking about him all year. This is not a guy – that is dropping off. I was actually just looking at a most improved player of the year odds. He's at plus seven fifty right now. That feels like a bargain. Yeah. All right. We got a question on LaMelo ball from Christian. He says, should I trade away LaMelo? I'm worried about him getting shut down in short. I would trade him if you can. It's a question of what kind of return 
can you get for LaMelo at this point? You know, I think if if anybody's paying attention in your league, they would have the same concerns. I think it's totally possible that we don't see him again. I mean, this is two years in a row now that he's dealt with these injuries and, you know, he's kind of going to have a lost season. I mean, he's played, what, 22 games as of right now. Obviously, Charlotte is going nowhere fast. I think the argument against a shutdown is they've been terrible with him and without him. So I, I don't think there's like this fear that he comes back and all of a sudden they're, you know, winning six out of 10 games. You know, I, I think they want to get him back out there, but if, it, if, if this goes, you know, beyond the all-star break and he's still game to game or week to week or whatever it is, and, you know, they have 12 or 13 wins on the year. I, I don't think it would be a shutdown for competitive reasons. I think it would be a, all right, let's make sure you are 1000% healthy for next season. Uh, we don't, we don't want this to recur. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I'm, I'm less worried about a shutdown. I'm more concerned that he's just going to get hurt again. This is uh, now a player that uh, I think we can officially call injury prone. There's something about the ball family. Um and these guys just are not staying healthy. So I'd be more concerned about that. But yeah, I mean, it's all uh, the the result is the same. So I think you should be worried. The problem is, I don't know what I don't know what you're getting for him in a deal as of right now. You would you would have to trade him on such a discount. It's it's almost not even worth it. And just keep him as somebody that if you're able to use him as the season goes along, we get into March. Um, then great, and 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 if not, then you know hopefully you're able to pivot via the waiver wire or another kind of a trade. I just don't think that there's any value in that. All right, question from Mal. He says Walker Kessler or Draymond Green rest of season in a ten team league. I will say category leagues Green ranks higher. Uh, you know, it's just. Kind of his usual stuff where you're like, I, I don't understand how this guy is a top 60 player, and yet he is. Uh, you know, the rebounds are there, the assist, obviously out of position assist, giving you about seven a game since he returned. Uh, you know, one steal, one block, that's huge. Field goal percentage has been fine. So, you know, the, the recent numbers would indicate that Green is the more valuable player. If you're in a category league and you need blocks, that's what it comes down to for Kessler. I mean, he's, he's playing yep. still 21, 22 minutes a night, which is super frustrating. Over the last month, he's blocking three and a half shots. So if you if you specifically want to target blocks, I would go Kessler. If you're just looking for the safer all-around option, I would go Draymond. Yeah, Walker Kessler is one of those guys that go back to the start of the year. I was targeting for a very specific reason. I wanted to target blocks, and you get that with him. So um, if, if that's something you feel like you're giving up, it depends on who else you have. Uh, I, I'm, I don't think I'd be willing to move Walker Kessler for Draymond. Uh, Lumad says, should I drop DeAnthony Melton for Scoot in a 14-team, nine-category league? We talked about some of the pluses and minuses with Scoot. You know, Melton's tough because he's played two games since the start or since the end of December. And there's not really been much of an indication as far as when he could be back. He did practice yesterday as a partial participant. That's the first real positive step that we've seen. If he's back after the All-Star break, I would still rather have Melton. I think he's going to play big minutes. I know they brought in Buddy Heald, um, but, you know, Melton was a 30, 35-minute-a-night guy before the injury. And, you know, maybe his ceiling's a little bit lower with Heald there, but I I think I'd still rather have him, you know, specifically for the the defensive potential. Um, you know, not only is he averaging 1.6 steals this season, he's basically done that his entire career. Even when he was, you know, early on, like in Phoenix and Memphis, when he was bouncing around playing – 18 minutes a night, he was still giving you like one and a half steals. So I, I would rather take the, the relative safety 
of Melton in a category league specifically. Now, like our previous question asker about Scoot, if you're okay punting field goal percentage and turnovers, you know, then that, that makes it a more difficult equation. If you're not doing that, I would just, I would hold on for Melton. I think he's back shortly after the break. Yeah. Keep an eye on the injury report, but he's going to give you a more full profile and just um, and less of those crater games than, than what you're going to get with Scoot Henderson. You just go back to one of the last games that D'Anthony Melton played a good example of what we're talking about four steals uh, the game before that, you know, he's shooting uh, 61% from the field. This is the kind of stuff that you're just not going to get from scoot. Uh, all right. George says he's in a nine cat 12 team head to head. I've clinched a playoff spot. So he's clinched either first or second, uh, which three of these three players should I keep on my bench? My 10 starters are pretty stacked. Nice. Good spot to be in Devin Vassell on Kongwu. Scoot Henderson, Io Desumu, Kelly Olinick. Um, and, and this is the same guy who's doing the field goal percentage turnovers punt. Uh, I will say right away, I would keep Devin Vassell, who's been underratedly very good this season. Uh, you know, when it comes to the Spurs, we basically only talk about Victor Webinyama. Last 15 games for Vassell, 22 points, four rebounds, four and a half assists, uh, about one combined steal block per game, 50, 39, 80 percentages. So Vassell for me is an, an absolute hold. He could worry a little bit about a shutdown. Again, the Spurs have no problem losing with him in the lineup. He's somebody that is part of their young core. I don't really worry too much about him being shut down. The rest of that list is a little bit tougher. I would I would probably keep to Sumu as well. And then you're choosing between a Kungwu and a Linux. Uh, I, I would give slight lean to Onyeka Kungwu. What say you? I'm with you. Um, Devin Vassell is a must. Ayo Desunmu is a must. And and then you're just picking between the others. I love the way that those first two have been playing as of late. And I don't think that Vassell is a, a, a shutdown candidate. I think, if anything, it would be his teammate, Victor Wimbanyama, uh, as, you know, as awful as that would be to see, especially in a rookie of the year campaign. Um it's all about making sure that he's good to go for next year, but I think Vassell will be out there no matter what. Uh, I tend to agree, and Yeka Kongu is probably the most trustworthy of those other um, options. We've already talked about Scoot's downfalls, and Olenek just doesn't do anything for me. Uh, Novell says, is Herb Jones back to being a must-roster player? He just snagged him in his 12-team category leagues. He's picking it up, man. Uh, just last week when I wrote about, yeah, I think I'm comfortable dropping Herb Jones. All of a sudden, you know, he strings together three of his best games of the season. That has coincided, of course, with Dyson Daniels going down. And, you know, you never like to see that. But that does does simplify things a little bit for the New Orleans Pelicans, uh, who just kind of have too many guys on the wing. Zion has missed some games of late as well. That has helped. Um, I, I'm giving a boost to both Jones and Trey Murphy as long as Daniels is out. And he, I think he's going to miss a month plus. I mean, it could be the rest of the season with a meniscus. You just never really know. But he's not somebody who's going to be back right after the break. So, yeah, I mean, Herb Jones, last three games, he's got 10 steals. He's hitting almost three three-pointers per game. Yeah, if, he, if he's doing that, he's absolutely a must-roster. Um, yeah, I would say I would say he's back. I, I think with Daniels out, I think that's maybe the linchpin that we needed for him. I'm still not sure I'm starting him every single week, but he's, he's probably in must-roster territory in, in a 12-teamer. I don't quite understand why they don't just give him heavier minutes, no matter the uh... – no matter the the health and availability of the rotation, I think he's such a good player 
and underutilized. We've said it from the beginning. It's always been a real estate issue for Herb Jones. When he's given the runway, he's been a really good fantasy player. Just look at what he's been able to do this month. Okay, even if you just look at the wins, they're four or four and one in their last five games. He's got double-digit points in four of the last five games, shooting 55% from the field and 52% from three-point range. And he's a good defender. He's got five steals in his last game. Now, that was against Memphis, but um, a, a total of 10 in his last three. Uh, why wouldn't this guy be more of a factor more frequently? Um, it really just comes down to who's, a, who's available around him, but I love the player. Me too. And it, it is worth noting. And this is part of the reason that I included him in my, my drops article last week. And this was, this, you know, this is like players who are kind of borderline, you know, we're not saying guys who are 5% rostered. It's like, you know, 50% ish rostered over his previous 26 games before this, this great three game run, he was averaging 10 points, three rebounds, two assists, 1.1 combined steals and blocks. Like those had completely evaporated for basically two months. So he, he went through this weird stretch where the, the defensive stats, which can be fluky, just weren't there. Um, but you know, deep down, you know, he's one of those guys. The, the thing with Herb Jones is like for him to be, for him to be must roster, you know, he's got to be giving you basically two steals plus blocks per game. You know, he's, he's ultimately a role player who hits spot up threes and just kind of does the little things. So you, you need to have that elite defensive production. And as long as that's there, then yeah, you absolutely should roster him. Uh, Ian says that he is sitting in first place in his nine cat 16 team league. He says, I need advice on what to do if all your players are must-roster players. Man, it must be nice. <laughs> uh, thinking that, especially in a 16-team league, man. Yeah, he says he's thinking that streaming a spot in the playoffs will be critical. My guess, Ian, is that this problem may solve itself. If somebody gets injured in the next three or four weeks, somebody's performance falls off. I, without seeing your roster, it's really hard to say, you know, you got to drop this guy. In general, I, I think you're right about streaming. You know, you look ahead to the playoff schedule, especially if you're in a weekly league, you know, getting those four gamers in a playoff, you know, especially if it's a head-to-head matchup, super, super important. I just, I, I wouldn't be too proactive. Like if, if everybody is truly must roster and maybe they are because you're in first place, I, I wouldn't really mess with a good thing right now. And again, chances are somebody on that team you know, will will kind of shake loose as the obvious drop between now and the postseason. Yeah, especially if, like Nick said, it's great advice targeting the, the the schedule. How many games a player is going to play in a given week? If you've got a bunch of must roster players, I'm guessing one of those is going to fit the bill. Just slot them in to your starting lineup. So I think you you kind of answered your own question here. If you've got a full team of must roster players, then you must keep them on your roster. It's that simple. All right, Brandon. That's why they pay me the big bucks here. here, Nick? That's that's the analysis we pay you for, man. Regardless of what room in your house you are in. Uh, all right, we I got like y'all this one. I think there's like a good ambiance in here. It's a little brighter. Yeah. Yeah. It's a okay. Brighter. I might and do. I, it. I think I. You know what? I and I should apologize to my dog for besmirching his good name, uh, Jackson. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, perhaps we'll do the podcast from right here every single yeah. week. Yeah. Well, we'll see what the the smell situation is this time next Wednesday. Uh, but appreciate everybody giving us questions, jumping in the stream. As always, we will be doing these you know, Thursday and Friday this week as well. Still a big waiver wire period coming up. So make sure you tune in to Alex, Ken and Shannon on Friday. Make sure you check out Rick and Dr. A. They'll be doing our final pre all-star break show tomorrow morning. That should go live around 11 a.m. Brandon, good to chat with you as always, man. And uh, looking forward to connecting with you on the Rotowire SXM show later this week. Let's get it.
Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.